0: Welcome to Side Effects, Effect versus Affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Bravender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, an MB co-host and one of the industry's brightest guests, to dive deep into the process of good employee benefits. Let's get started. The COVID-19 pandemic has turned our world upside down over the past year. Not only are people fearful of contracting the virus, the devastation of the pandemic, including millions of deaths, unemployment and isolation, has made a serious impact on people's mental health. Researchers worldwide believe this mental health deterioration could linger after the pandemic ends. Julie Manuel is a mental health therapist working as a psychotherapist and an independently licensed professional clinical counselor at Kettering Health Network. With over 10 years of experience, she has worked in various settings including hospital emergency rooms, domestic violence shelters, and many more agencies and programs. Julie graduated from Wright State University in 2001 and earned her Master's of Science degree in 2005. With Julie's expertise, we will navigate how employers can address these mental health issues within their work population, the resources they can provide, and how leaders must not simplify this complex issue. Welcome
1: Julie to the show.
0: Hello, Scott. Hello. How are you today?
1: I am doing fantastic. How about yourself?
0: Good. Thank you for joining us in the studio. Yes. And we have a fantastic guest, Julie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We we are very excited about this topic today. It's been highly requested from lots of internal people, external people, and we know you're the expert. So we're, we're excited to chat with you today. Thanks. So just starting off, um, I'm just going to lay this out here. Are we allowed to talk about mental health at the employer level?
2: Well, I think that uh, at the employer level, it is tricky, um, as I'm sure that, you guys have figured out but it is okay to talk about Um, i think it's important as leaders uh, to model behaviors that encourage our employees to feel uh, safe to bring forward really difficult topics heavy topics uh, and conversations Uh, as leaders and employers we need to be able to i guess create an environment that's very non-judgmental and safe to talk about issues like depression anxiety suicidal ideation and then the treatments that go along
1: with them Hey Julie, once hey, thanks for uh, once again, thanks for being here. Why do you? Oh, sure. Think, why, why do you think we don't talk about this important issue more? Well,
2: I think there's been a, a very serious stigma attached to mental health, uh, mental health treatment, mental health diagnosis um, for many, many years. Um, we have seen this for hundreds of years throughout our country. And I think that it is just now becoming more of a hot topic. I think it's become really highlighted throughout the COVID pandemic, um, but I think we certainly uh, need to be able to encourage our employees uh, to come to us when they're battling um, anything. You know, we we encourage them to come to us when they're battling cancer or they've had a bad car accident and they're recovering with ET and OT and um, not able to come to work, and so. You know it, it's our tendency i think over the course of time to really discourage the topic of mental health and mental health recovery because it's such a taboo topic
0: can you break down kind of what the stigmas are that are attached to mental health why is it hard to talk about
2: well i think you know like i said hundreds of years you know stigma has really been attached to um Mental health, depression, anxiety. I mean, people have struggled for years to even admit that they're having any type of mental health issues. Um, I think simply a fear. You know, there's fear of being locked up, maybe in an asylum. I mean, historically speaking, you know, this it was you know chains against a wall. I mean, this is serious stuff. And I think um, losing maybe their job or their status at work, um, possibly being. Uh, judged by coworkers, workers uh, you know, we've heard people say, well, they'll call, they'll call me crazy, um, maybe losing their children, fear of maybe, you know, that they may be taken to court by maybe a spouse or something. Um, and then again, like I said, you know, being really, it's like that stereotypical, I don't want to seem crazy. I don't want people to treat me differently. Um, so they, they become very fearful to even ask for help or, or even admit that they need help during really difficult times in their life.
1: So do you think you're you're the expert, right? So you're the smartest person in the room.
2: Oh, That's I don't specific. know. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <Yes. laughs> we'll but when you think about this too, so do you think these issues are more prominent today or basically, or do you think that we're just finally beginning to speak about things that we just pushed underneath the rug or hid from uh, people?
2: Yeah, you know, like I said, I, I think I have a, a real fascination with um, the his, historical uh, basis of mental health and how it's been um, really how we as a society and as a country have uh, treated folks with mental health issues over the course of years. And, and I think that every generation has really dealt with their own type of mental health issues and crises. Um, I think what's more prevalent today is the courage of people To be able to speak up and speak out about um maybe their battles with mental health and substance abuse issues i think it's been a real uh tradition i guess if you will to keep the family secret of someone's loved one maybe being locked up or maybe can uh you know completely have a diagnosis of anxiety or depression or substance abuse, even addiction. I mean we think about the opioid crisis and it was just such a stigma attached to that for a long time. So we've be, we started let the cat out of the bag. so I, I don't necessarily think that it's been it's just more predominant today. I think that it's just okay to talk about becoming okay to talk about.
1: What do you think that courage comes from? So if we were like hiding that in the past, but all of a sudden people mm-hmm. maybe are willing. so what do you think that comes from?
2: Well, I think a couple of things. I think one is, is, um, knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in knowledge is power. And so I think the more education that we have related to, um, the, the disease of mental health and substance abuse, I think it becomes more, um, okay for people to say, I have depression. just like somebody would say, you know, I have cancer. Um, I think that it's just more of an education based, Uh, tool now. But I think more than anything, I think people are realizing um, that it's okay to not be okay because, you know, the technology that's out there, you know, social media that we're so connected to so many different people across the the world that I think we're just really seeing um, kind of a a flare for that it's okay. It's okay for me to say, yeah, I, I take an antidepressant and not be ashamed of it.
0: I will say that cool. made me think of Demi Lovato's song "It's Okay Not to Be Okay," mm-hmm. and yeah. it's yeah. it's like the anthem of our 2020, 2021 life.
2: Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah, and we and you know we've encouraged that so much with uh, so many of our people and um, and all of our marketing that we've done for like first responders and things like that. You know, it's it's just so important for somebody just to simply say, you know look, it's okay. You know, I I totally get it. It's okay that you're not okay right now. We're going to help you get back to
0: being okay. Right. So this brings me into like a two-part question talking about the employer-employee relationship. How can employers identify that some of the people that work for them might need help? And if they don't come to their managers or their HR team and ask for it, how do we help them? You know, that's really difficult because... We never
2: really want to assume what is happening in someone's world. Um, You know, I I use the analogy a lot with my team when when I'm teaching and doing trainings is that it would be wonderful if we were all like comic book cartoon characters with bubbles over our head that said, hey, this morning I had a fight with my wife, or hey, this morning, you know, this happened, or last night I was contemplating suicide, but that doesn't happen. And so it's difficult, I think, for employers to know what happens when people clock out. Um, but I think this is where a really great team comes into play, um, asking members of that employee's team about the person can certainly help um, kind of learn more about what their day-to-day life is like. Because as managers, sometimes we can't really dive into uh, the details of their life because obviously we have to stay uh, you know, as a leader, but it's important to still be human. And to look into kind of what's going on in their life.
1: When you think about the, the, the responsibilities like of an employer when it comes to mental health, uh, obviously there are some government regulations in regards to an EAP. If I have government mm-hmm. contracts, right, I might have one. Uh, but what what are some of the responsibilities that you think are important for an employer or to talk about mental health?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the EAP services are, are wonderful, but I think for employers, it's really important to um, negotiate with those insurance companies, and that's something that you know we um, are working with some of our um, different companies now. Uh, is that it's important to be able to provide comprehensive services and to have the employee feel like, regardless of the type of service they have um, or that they seek, that their insurance is going to be able to cover it, or the EAP services are gonna be there for them. So they need to feel like um, they are safe, you know, that there is security, so to speak, in seeking out the treatment that they need and that they're supported by their employer. EAP plans are absolutely amazing. And I think that it's a real tool to give uh, employees an opportunity to have a few brief sessions, ease the immediate acute crisis, and then, you know, see what happens from there. And the EAP professional can just does a wonderful job of referring them on to the most appropriate services they need. Then following that immediate, you know, let's kind of put the fire out.
1: Yeah, I was a big fan of mental health parity. Um, but obviously, one of the things too that we've heard about and read about, I mean, there's a lot of organizations that have either, you know, closed their facility, mm-hmm. reduced resources. Uh, and so, when people want help, and those resources are diminished, um, why, why do you why do you think that? I have an opinion, but why do you think that is?
2: Well, funding is a funding is a huge issue. Um, you know, it's certainly. You know, I we just I just came off of another meeting where we're talking about you know the sustainability of some mental health programs here in this community, um, due to funding. But I think more importantly, again, it comes back to the uh, payer sources that, you know, we need to restructure some payment, um, you know, and and make sure that the reimbursement fees are um, substantial for mental health services and adequate, just like they are for medical services. Um, You know, we've we've struggled with mental health for years, and I think that's a big part of it. So I, I just think that funding and then the reimbursement rates are just really, Uh, unfortunately, just does not measure up to medical services at at this point.
1: Well, that was my opinion.
2: (laughs) Okay, good. I was wondering in my head, like, oh, I hope that's his
0: opinion. (laughs) That worked out. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of touched on this, Julie, a few questions ago. Thinking about today's circumstances, you hinted at social media, obviously the COVID pandemic. Can you break down some of the things in society today that are causing these mental health problems to to be magnified?
2: Well, uh, you're right. We did kind of touch on it. And I would say, um, I I just think that we are such an instantaneous society. You know, and we talk a lot about this in all of the groups that we do here in our intensive outpatient programming and our inpatient groups is that, you know, we are inundated every day with 24-7 news feeds and social media and technology. And so there's so much that I think Um, is out there that, you know, we can see the traumatic events replay all day long, every day, as much as we want. And as a matter of fact, we can go on YouTube and look at something that happened 10 years ago. And I think that it just begins to create these really negative neural pathways in our brain that just really put us into uh, increased symptoms of anxiety, depression, or even traumatic effects.
0: So as a social media, person here at work, that's my role, can you kind of, I guess, does social media make people think everyone else's life's perfect except your own? Do you see that a lot?
2: We do see a lot of people doing a lot of comparison stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, Susie just went on vacation and they went to Greece and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think, again, it's, it's this idea of if we only knew what was in that bubble above people's heads, you know, I don't think Uh, So we we talk a lot about it may not be as glorious as it looks on Facebook or Snapchat or or whatever. Um, So yeah, I do think that social media definitely plays a part in some of the increased symptoms. Um, And certainly over the course of the last year with the pandemic, although it has been wonderful to keep people connected and attached, um, I think that it's created a little bit of angst, uh, if you will, for people, you know, they got the shot, they didn't get the shot. Um, somebody's sick and, you know, it, you know, somebody's out, you know, in a restaurant or, you know, traveling without a mask. And so there's, there's just all kinds of anxiety, but it's all back related to this instantaneous, you know, right now society that we are.
1: If I'm an employer and I'm listening, how do we make these uh, resources maybe come alive in the workforce without being like in, intrusive?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the great things that um, we do here at Kettering is we really um, post information and provide information. You know, the the uh, screensavers on everybody's computer is is um, something. You know, like hey, here's a here's EAP phone number just in case. You know, um, so I think posting information, talking about the resources that are available, um, posting them in break rooms and on on um, the internal accounts for employees and just making everything available and being as transparent as possible. Um, And I think too, this is where sometimes vulnerability comes into play. Um, Being vulnerable as a leader and saying, you know, hey, I reached out to EAP because I was struggling in my marriage or whatever. Um, I think that's a real, you know, game changer for employees.
1: Yeah, I think from a leadership perspective, I think one of the things too, is when you begin to share your problems,
2: Mm -hmm. and if
1: everybody shared your problems, their problems, you'd be amazed how fast you would pick up your own. Yeah, because you, whoa, uh, and, and I, and I think really just being vulnerable with people lets other people know that they're not alone, that Mm -hmm. everyone's struggling with, you know, with something.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's really important. I think, um, to realize everybody has a story. Every single person has a story, and and you're right. I think that you know some stories are worse than others, but everyone has a story, and it becomes our choice as an individual and as a human. Um, how how can we share that story so that maybe we can impact other people positively and maybe change their life? I mean, I think leaders have a real unique opportunity um, to have an influence. Like I said, just be a game changer. You know, modeling those you know, vulnerability by sharing your story of what you've been through, you know, you never know. I mean, it could save a life. It's really important just because you shared a piece of your story.
0: So just having that moment of being vulnerable with your staff is really important, I think. So let's say they're not sharing their stories. Is there, are there any tips or warning signs that you guys share that we, that we could know an employee is in a crisis situation or that they need help without getting too Mm -hmm. crossing the line, you know?
2: Right. It's really tricky. It's really tricky. And like I said, you know, uh, again, you know, we don't know what happens once folks clock out and once they leave work. Sometimes we don't know. I think it's important for employers to uh, really notice behavior changes. That's what we're really that's what we encourage people to look for. You know, they've withdrawn to their office, maybe um, instead of eating in the break room, um, they're eating alone in their office with their door closed. They become more irritable or maybe their productivity falls. Difficulty concentrating, they're calling in more often. Um, the inability to complete projects. I, I think that you know we have seen these situations um, in the past, and and even for suicidal folks, you know we've had some in situations where you know employees have started to give items away and um, maybe talk about you know how their life is terrible, and so it becomes really a warning light. But I think it's the behavior
0: changes that we have to look for. That's
2: really important for employers to look for.
1: Yeah, those are really powerful words.
0: I didn't even think about that. If someone yeah. was giving something away, yeah, that's the smallest thing that you would probably never connect, yeah. mm-hmm. but that could be the sign. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you
1: think? So, um, I'm I'm not afraid to say how old I am. I'm 56, so I'm the oldest <laughs> one on the on the on the. On the call for sure, uh, but you know, in my generation, it was obviously, I think, probably potentially, that protecting our image was so important to us and the image of our family. So, when our kids acted out in public, it was a problem, but inside mm-hmm. the car, inside of our homes, uh, and, well, why do you think that shifted or changed? Mm-hmm.
2: Well. Again, I think that um, it's becoming more okay to share your story. Um, I think that there have been some really important folks that have become vulnerable, that have modeled some really important behaviors. You know, um, you know we see celebrities that you know, share their stories and, and maybe didn't share their story and you know, unfortunately didn't make it through their crisis. Um, but I think from a historical standpoint, uh, I don't think we knew enough. I, I don't think we knew enough about mental health, mental health issues, how to deal with them, um, it, within our employer, uh, you know, with our employees, you know, or our family. I don't think that we knew enough. So I think that education was really lacking, and I think that it was just a um, taboo disease that we just did not want to talk about. So I, I'm really glad and hopeful for the future. things are changing. and I think that, the idea of protecting someone's image or protecting the family image has started to dissipate a little bit although i still think it's a challenge um you know i do think that it's becoming a little bit more okay or commonplace if you will
0: i do have i've noticed even in the past few years i have a lot of friends that tell me they go to therapy like i've been going for 10 years and they're like I, I was like, I never would have guessed, but I don't judge them, obviously. I was like, that's cool. You should tell more people to make it not as scary and not as, yeah. oh, you're crazy. I'm like, you've been going for 10 years. You're an amazing person. Look at you. That helps. So
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that it's interesting because I have people that come in and, and they say things, you know, like, well, I just, I, I didn't think therapy was going to be like this. And I'm like, well, what did you think therapy was going to be like? <laughs> You know, and they're like, well, you know, like I thought I was going to lay on the couch and like you were going to like psychoanalyze me. I'm like, listen, you know, that's not what happens. You know, we're just, it's just a place that we can kind of talk through and and maybe reframe some of your thinking and really kind of teach you some healthy coping skills. So I do think that's a great point just to like be, you know, take away the fear, right? Take away the fear and the scariness of going to therapy is so important.
0: Right, so to clarify for our listeners, we keep saying, mental health issues. Can you kind of give examples of what they are? Because there's a wide range that can be categorized in that.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we talk about mental health issues and really what we're talking about is our emotional, our psychological, and our social well-being. So it's really about how we think, how we feel, and how we act. Um, They're all issues that are related to our brain. Um, So, you know, Brain health becomes important. So, if we have chemical imbalances in our brain, they may alter how we think, act, and feel, um, and thus why we have depression, anxiety, and all sorts of different mental health problems. Um, you know, of course, we could go away into detail, but you know, the the overall is that mental health issues really are just about how we think, act, and feel.
0: Is there a difference between brain health and mental health? Mental health
2: issues. I mean, that's a great question. Mental health issues really are related to the brain, like I said, because, you know, our brain really um, controls. It's an amazing organ and it, you know, it controls all of our executive functioning and how we think and how we act and how we feel. Um, You know, it can have just as many malfunctions um, and disorders as any other part of the body. And I think that when our brain is healthy, when we take care of our brain and when we have the ability to have the testing um, and the scans and all of these things, just like we do in the medical world, um, we have the ability then to really heal our whole selves.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things too that I like about that is, so recovery is really important to me and I work with a lot of different people and for, uh, for a large percentage of people, it's a thinking problem. So I might mm-hmm. use because I uh, think, or I might act out. Or I am so it's a thinking problem. So when I think about myself, like I'll join LA fitness or I'll join the YMCA, like my, my body, right? Mm-hmm. And so, cause mental health has such a, it just has such a stigma attached to it. But when we take care of our, it's brain health, it's helping me think. And I have this phrase and I love it, is you can't fix something that's broken. With something that's broken so if your mm. thinking's broken you're gonna need you're gonna need help and resources and yeah. there's just a lot of great people that are that have the tools and the resources and the compassion and the empathy uh to help people along the way
2: yeah i like that that's good yeah yeah it's really important you know because you know we talk a lot about you know stinking thinking right so it's yeah. just
0: it's this idea like that, that just thinking <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's just this idea that you know our our thoughts are so negative, you know, related to ourselves and to our to our community and to everything, you know, and so we we then tend to do negative things, you know, we use or we have relapses of you know self harm behaviors or you know things that really then perpetuate this cycle of you know uh, disorders, if you will, you know, like the depression and anxiety symptoms, so. Yeah, it's important, you know, change the way you think and, you know, ch-
1: it changes how you feel and it changes how you act.
0: So, Scott, what's the quote you like, the, your brain's a bad neighborhood?
1: Oh, often your brain's like a bad neighborhood and you shouldn't- uh, Walk there alone? Yeah, shouldn't yeah. be there alone. Yeah. Oh, I, I like you it. Know, you know, one of the things too that's, you know, interesting, in, you know, in regards to what you said too is, you know, fix yourself before you attempt to fix others. So there's a lot like Brene Brown. I'm a huge fan of her's vulnerability and there's great podcasts. There's great resources. But I think sometimes in society, what we do is we take that and we want to try to fix like our spouse or we want to fix somebody else. And where it becomes really powerful is when we fix ourselves Mm -hmm. We're more useful to ourselves, we become attractive, not in a vain way, but in a way where we're like changing our mindset. Uh, yeah. And we can just make a big difference in the world. So I just mm-hmm. appreciate uh, your expertise and your knowledge. And,
2: oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I love Brene. And, and I would say also just to piggyback on that, Scott, it's really important. You know, we, we talk a lot about all the time. Um, you cannot be in a healthy relationship with anyone. That includes yourself. Unless you are healthy yourself. You know, you Come have on, to me. be okay
1: with just being you. Yeah, someone told me that two two sickies don't make a welly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're, we're full of quotes this exactly. after, this yeah, morning. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to change lanes slightly. And uh-huh. last week was our one-year anniversary of McGowan Brabender employees working from home. And, and so while we're on this topic of COVID affecting mental health, could you say that we are at the brink of a mental health crisis, or are we way past that already with what COVID's done to people?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, I think I might've mentioned this earlier. I do think um, COVID and the ongoing pandemic has certainly highlighted uh, brightly (laughs) the mental health crisis that is happening in our country. Um, But I I think that this has been going on for years. you know, the reduction in funding, the staffing shortages, uh, programming, closing, has really left people with very few options um, when they're seeking mental health treatment and substance abuse treatment. But I do think that COVID and the pandemic has brought it, you know, to the forefront and we're finally talking about it and we're talking about how we can fix it.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I think also, you know, you sit there and, you know, obviously, kids at home, uh, businesses downsizing. There's just a lot of people that are dealing with, a lot, well, even uh, elderly parents. I can't go see oh, that, I know. The host. So as an employer, if I'm a listener, um, what are some of the resources that Kettering Health Network can do and, and how can how can you guys help? Yeah.
2: So, you know, like I said, we have um, here at, at KVMC, we have inpatient and outpatient services. Um, we really have worked really hard to provide at KBMC uh, comprehensive services for our community. So we have an acute inpatient stabilization unit. We have four intensive outpatient programs. um, And then we also have a traditional outpatient clinic. Um, Our goal, like I said, is to really provide the comprehensive services for our community on one campus so that, you know, if you're hospitalized in the inpatient unit, you can literally step down to the next program on the same campus. And so you're seeing the same people, the same staff, and things we've, we've worked hard to make sure that the programs run kind of identical so that you're getting the same information and you're feeling comfortable so that it's not like, oh, oh gosh, this is gonna be something new and different. And, you know, we really have tried very hard to make sure that everything is very similar with our programming and our staff and how we treat folks.
0: So let's say a company doesn't have any EAP, any EAP, any mental health benefits. Can you walk us through the process of how a company would choose what plan fits best for them?
2: Yeah, you know, um, HR is really the one that's gonna develop and brainstorm what services, you know, the EAP benefit will look like, how that would look for their employers or employees, um, whether that be direct assessments, Um, substance abuse issues or substance abuse assessments, ongoing counseling, or general mental health issues, and then referral services. Um, In addition, I think wellness programs and fitness programs are something that we've seen that EAP services are starting to kind of include. Um, Again, it's a great benefit, and um, you know, I think that if we can share that those EAP services are available and Leaders can give them a positive plug or people that have used the, the EAP services. Again, sharing your story, providing testimonials um, is a great way to let folks know that the EAP services are there.
1: Hey, Julie, do you have an example of like um, you have a relationship with a lot of employers of somebody that's doing like a great job? Like and, and if you don't want to say the name, that's OK. But maybe some examples of like they're just doing a really good job of awareness of these resources and help where um, you can lean in and help their workforce?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I can I can speak to two companies that I know of directly, and that's obviously one is my employer, Pettering um, Health Network does a great job of making sure that the employees know, um, you know, where the resources are available, but also the leaders really um, within the company take time to, again, be vulnerable, share their story, and just, you know, provide the um, security and safety I think that employees need. Um, There are also in this community, several um, first responder departments, um, be it police department or um, fire departments that are doing a great job of providing resources to their employees. As we all know, know, mental health stigma reaches it's uh, that's probably a whole nother podcast on <laughs> mental health stigma with first responders but they are really starting to break through um posting things you know having peer supports um you know having trainings and just again making making it okay to not be okay following some really dramatic things you know over the course of the last few years we've we've really encountered
1: yeah one of the things too and i know we're we're kind of running about uh, Against time, but one of the exercises that w- we'll do here at McGowan Braybender uh, inside of um, different meetings, it's called a red dot exercise. So, like on a map, like a mall, we'll say you are here. But it, for our listeners too, around if you just go around the room and like, uh, what's going on? I mean, because it could be as simple as my son or daughter missed the bus and I had to stay home and I'm late uh it could be I'm dealing with issues with my mom or my dad you have no idea but everybody puts this game face but sure yeah, but yeah. people where people are then uh this awesome thing called grace is available kindness oh. empathy yep. you lean yep. in and then fortunately in that exercise hopefully then the leader has the ability to be vulnerable too and then people are like mm-hmm. like he or she they deal with like stuff too and, yeah of course all of us do so yeah game changer Mm -hmm.
2: yeah so yeah uh, i go ahead no i was just gonna say you know scott i think that just providing that casual environment um, and allowing people to see that the leaders are human and you know that grace is available and, and that is something that we do here at Kettering, is just wonderful. You know, we, we try really hard to make sure that folks know that it's okay and that we'll give you grace, you know? So yeah, I think that's great, love it.
1: Yeah.
0: I was going to ask, how is this mental health crisis that we're dealing with an employer problem? Like, like you said, people might not be coming to work. They might have red dot things going on. How is this not helpful to employers? Well, you know, as employers, you know, we need our employees to be fully
2: present. And, you know, the bottom line is the bottom line, you know, lost hours, lost hours in production, um, causing the company to struggle or your team to struggle. Um, sometimes we've seen, historically, we've seen employers get pretty upset. And, um, you know, they then it comes into like a disciplinary thing and, you know, then there's conflict. and. Again, I, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening there, you know, in their life. And so we we try to really just take a, a step back and say, okay, let's create a really caring culture, um, a grace culture, and allow employees to feel like um, if they miss a day of work or they're starting to struggle and their productivity starts to fall, and we're noticing those behavior changes, like I mentioned earlier, um, that you can kind of expect that your leader cares about you and is going to come to you and say, Hey, you know, is everything okay? You know, what's, what's going on? I've noticed, you know, X, Y, Z, and and just know that it's not a disciplinary thing because we've created the culture and we've created the environment of caring and grace for them.
1: You know, my dad said for years, he said, Scott, everybody needs encouragement mm-hmm. the people that deserve it the least need it the most. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But in your opinion, so where oh. do we go from here? Like, if Julie, if you're you're the boss of everyone, um, <laughs> what do you do? Like, wh- where do we go from here? What what should be next? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think uh, shifting our perspective is key. You know, shifting our perspective on mental health, treating it just the same as you would someone who is battling cancer or recovering from a broken leg, mm. um, encouraging folks that it's okay to come to your employer, to your manager, to your leader and letting them know kind of what's going on. Um, It's really important that we start just erasing the stigma. I mean, it's going to take us some time, but definitely erasing that stigma uh, of reaching out for help and having some sort of mental health issue. We need to, as leaders and as humans, Um, really start sharing our story and again just creating a culture that is caring and grace filled so that everyone feels like it's okay you know we can no matter what's happening in my life when I leave work I can come to work and I can feel like my employer you know cares about me and supports me um, no matter what I'm going through
1: well, Kenzie, before we wrap up, I'm going to call and make a, uh, an appointment with Julie. I'm going to go see her. So I, <laughs> I
0: think it. I will be with <laughs> <into> Julie, too.
1: <laughs> Sweet. Come on over.
0: Well, Julie, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. the The last 40 minutes have truly flown by. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, so thank, thank you for yeah. joining us. Thank so, you so much for having me. That is all for this episode of Side Effects. And if you would like to reach out to Julie, we will add all of her contact information on our website. How else can they get a hold of you, Julie? So they can reach me, uh, my email, julie.manuel at ketteringhealth.org.
2: And then you can look at our comprehensive services on our website at www.ketteringhealth.org.
0: Perfect. If you have any questions or comments, uh, listeners can email me at kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com.
1: Or scott at healthierbirthdays.com.
0: And thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time on Side Effects.